Hi everyone, welcome back. So for almost six years, I have struggled with sleep and done everything I can to raise the quality of the sleep that I get. I've read the books, taken the courses, and I've listened to countless podcast episodes on sleep to try and figure out ways to just get a little bit extra here and there. I'm not talking about my kids, but me personally. In all of that learning, there have been three things that have really stuck out for me. And these are not your average sleep hygiene tips. Although those are wonderful, I don't think that they're enough for moms getting broken sleep. So I've created a free PDF download with these tips in them. If you want a copy, all you have to do is follow the link in the description of this podcast or message me on socials and I'll send a copy your way. Today we are covering the topic of sleep and specifically that time when you have a newborn in the house. If that's you now or perhaps it's coming up for you, if nothing else, you will for sure find comfort in this episode. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Vicky. And I'm Lauren. And you're listening to Two Moms and a Mic. A weekly podcast where we chat about our experience as relatively new parents trying to make it in this busy modern world. We talk about the struggles and joys that come with parenting, and we also focus on the impact this can have on our mind and body. As moms, we all want the same things, right? We want to be happy, to be healthy, and to raise our kids to be the same way. So the goal of this podcast is to bring you helpful tips and information to make this happen. So join us in the quest to improve your overall health and happiness levels just a little bit each day, whilst juggling being a mom, of course. We're all fumbling through this together. Let's do it. Jones. Hi. Hi there. Can you see how tired I am? Look at my my eyes, everything. I'm exhausted today. I Harry was in my bed last night. Just fixing my mic. Um and I just couldn't could not sleep. I could not switch off. I, I fell asleep and then he woke up at two in the morning to talk about peanut butter crackers for some unknown reason. And we had that conversation, and then he went straight back to sleep, and I just lay there thinking about a whole bunch of arbitrary shit until like four, five, I don't even know what time. Just could not switch off. So you're going to be yeah, I dealing also with had a, a half I also wit. had a rough night. Did you? No, no, no. I think it'd be two half wits. We had a rough night last night. <laughs> two half wits make a I hole. I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so, In our case, mm. yeah, <laughs> two half wits make a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Two halfwits cancel each other out and there's nothing left there. <laughs> well, um, it's great that you started off this conversation talking about sleep because that is what oh. our first topic is. <laughs> I don't want to but I actually forgot that. So that was purely coincidental. <laughs> That's how half-witted I am. <laughs> well, I'm oh, it's great. I thought you were leading us in. No, I totally wasn't. I should have claimed that. Yeah. Okay, well, should let's get Should have kept cracking. quiet and just claimed it. I've got a lot to moan yeah. about, so this will be a uh, great one. Well, yeah, so the reason I wanted to talk about this was because part of the reason for this podcast is to try and help mothers who were like, 
or parents who were where we were a few years ago, you know, all that, that really rough time when your kids are more little. Yeah. And one of the biggest challenges or the biggest challenge, I'd say for me in becoming a parent was, was sleep. Yeah. I mean, I went from, you know, I could easily clock 12 hours and then to no sleep. Like Abigail was and still is just a terrible sleeper. Mm. And a lot of that is down to like her first two years of life. It wasn't really her. It was that the situation was really difficult and she mm. was moving around a lot. But still, there was like very little sleep. I remember and that so we're clearly. only now getting a little bit better. So there's a lot of people who will be listening who are in the thick of it right now. Maybe they've just had their second kid or their first kid mm. or some of you go to number three and number four, you know. And um, and so I wanted to really talk about sleep because it's so important. It's important for everything. Mm. It just affects every single area and, and, of your life. And when you're not getting it, it's like it's all consuming as well. Like yeah. not getting it is just so... Uh, it takes up so much of your mind space. Well, it did for me anyway, just trying mm. to figure out how I was going to get more sleep or just thinking about sleep all the time, wishing that I was lying down in my bed. Like it is, it's such yeah. a big change suddenly not having that sleep and not having control of that sleep either. Well, thinking that you don't. There are actually, now that I've learned about this, there are ways in which you can sort of take control back a little bit. But the fact that you've got this little person just basically heading up your 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 sleep routine and throwing it completely out of whack is just so debilitating and it just throws you off everything yeah and then that affects the way you are with them mm. the next day yeah. and with your partner you become this person you start making decisions from just a place of <laughs> it's not even you making these decisions or you know reactions or the, the things I will say when I'm sleep deprived is just it's just not me mm -mm. at all and to think like maybe the first three years of Abby's life that's that's how I will Maybe even actually the first four years. I'm still going. <laughs> Maybe it's only up to last year. <laughs> I'm on to six years right, right, right over here. Six years running and you can tell. <laughs> and then, you know, it's not just your sleep, but also your kids' sleep. Mm. I mean, I know you and I have spoken about it a lot. Both of us have these kids who just don't really enjoy sleep as much as we do, mm -mm. which is pretty sad yeah but yeah so so that's that's the topic for today and not just our sleep but also kids sleep and we're going to be giving some suggestions some ways to improve your sleep things like that but don't take that as meaning that we have it all figured out because as you will very shortly learn we have nothing figured out yeah i don't even know <laughs> if we are actually the right people to be listening to right now without kids that do not sleep I thought I well, thought no one could get worse than Connor and then Harry came along and just blew that out of the water right out of the water like he is just the well, worst of the worst <laughs> you know why I think it's important to talk about this and why I think we are the right people to bring it forward As a therapy session because <laughs> <laughs> 
is because there's so many others out there thinking that they are the only ones. That's how I used to feel. I used to feel like everyone else had it figured out and it was just me who was doing it like I was doing something wrong and I would feel almost embarrassed about it. Like I was messing up or why could everyone else figure it out and not me? <laughs> and it took me a long time to realize that everyone was just lying. Yes. <laughs> You see, I was the opposite. I solely blamed it on Connor. I, it was 100% his fault. There was something wrong with him. I, ne- I couldn't send him back, so I just had to deal with it. Um, <laughs> but no, I wasn't I wasn't at all ashamed. I was just furious. I was furious a lot of the time that I wasn't getting sleep. <laughs> and it was all Connor's fault. He was, he was lucky that he was so damn cute and that I was absolutely obsessed with him in all other ways. But yeah, the sleeping thing. God, it was torture. No. Absolute torture. Yeah. I mean, Abigail slept on top of me for almost two years until I was a little bit over two years, actually, until I was too pregnant for her to sleep <laughs> on me. And then she moved to my armpit. She had to sleep around I mean, you. <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Um, but yeah. I remember anyway. you sending me a message once after Maddie, like we were, so we went through the trenches of the firstborns. Then we went through the trenches of the secondborns and you sent a message saying, I've got the answer. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. Brilliant. Because I need it. <laughs> and it was like, I bought a king size bed. And I was like, well, that doesn't, right. that doesn't help me because I live in a shoebox size bedroom. So <laughs> unless I just turn my whole floor into a bed, I'm, I can't follow suit. That's that's right. That's what we we did. We got uh, we should have got a super king, um, but we got the king size bed so that all four of us could be in there. Yeah. Anyways, so before we get into the the actual episode, I wanted to say a little bit. Be careful who you take advice from when you are if you're like yeah, in the early now. stages. Turn up now. <laughs> <laughs> and also to know that most people who give you advice, they're doing it from, they're not trying to judge you. They are trying to help you. But I know very well it can, even the best well-meaning advice can come across judgmental and it can make you feel worse about yourself. So I guess be careful who you take advice from from and how you take that advice yeah how you how you accept it I guess it's very easy to forget or like if the if the advice is coming from an older person or even someone that's been through it not so long ago it's very easy and this is coming from my experience to forget how hard it is and how different every situation is and how individual each child is and how not all methods will work for every single person like you forget that stuff. So when you're giving out yeah. the information, you need to remember that they might have tried all of those things or it, they, it just doesn't work for them. So we, you've also got to be careful about what information you give out, I suppose, as a as a friend commenting yes. or whatever. Yeah, especially to mothers with newborns because they are so fragile in their mm. emotional state. Very vulnerable. That it can, yeah. And, um, and yeah, you just said it there, you know, not eat every child is the same and not everyone has the same circumstances. I remember people used to tell me, oh, just, you know, just put Abby in the, just put her in the stroller and go for a walk and she'll go to sleep. And I was like, you don't think I've tried that? Mm-hmm. 
You don't mm. think like I would have tried that one simple thing. Like she screamed, she would not lie in down in a stroller until the age of, I don't know, mm. until five months old, she wouldn't go in a stroller. So it was like, yeah, that's great advice for you. Or, you know, just put her down on the on the couch and when you're watching TV mm. and the noise will make her go. I know. I was like, are you crazy? Like- yeah. Everyone was like, just keep him downstairs so he gets used to the noise. And I was like, you don't know my child. His eyes are open 24-7 if there's even the, like, like they're always open. He has to be in a dark room with white noise on where there's absolutely no way he can get stimulated by anything, yeah. that is the only re- yeah. way he's going to fall asleep. And I tried all the other methods. I tried leaving him on a couch, and he would just, he was just like wired, this little shark with shark eyes, just looking around at everything, getting more and more overstimulated, more and more overtired until he lost it. And then I'd feel, <laughs> that was when I would feel like, a, not a bad parent, but like maybe people were judging, was when he would get to this point where he was so overtired that then he'd go crazy. Yeah. Nothing's changed. He's exactly the same even now. Mm-hmm. And I often Same land up leaving uh, play dates early or whatever because I can see the signs of him getting overstimulated, overtired. And I'm like, right, we're, we're out of here because now I kind of obviously know what I need to do with him and when I need to get him into bed. Yeah, those early days when you're figuring everything out and also when they're just babies and they just uh, they just do whatever the hell they want. So hard <laughs> to get it right. <laughs> So, so that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna end this podcast. Um, <laughs> they're just babies; they do whatever the hell they want, and so there's no hope. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Good luck out there. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. Uh, you need to. You need to lead this uh, podcast today because I'm clearly <laughs> less of a halfwit, and also somewhere in my cycle where I shouldn't it. even be talking to anyone. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> let alone a podcast well, audience. okay you've you've spoken a little bit about how it was when or when connor came along but in terms of sleep or lack of sleep what was the most difficult aspect of that for you i think it's going from knowing that you're going to get sleep at the end of the day and like and 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 not even knowing how wonderful sleep really is like we all know sleep is great, but you don't appreciate it until it gets taken away from you. You just actually mm. don't know how lucky you are to to get an, a night of uh, uninterrupted sleep and to be in control of like when you go to bed and when you wake up. And I really, really battled with obviously the continual broken sleep, being woken up every 40 minutes or something with Connor Yeah, and having to either... At one point, he was in my room for ages, in my bed, in the Chico next to me, cot. I did everything. And then eventually I put him out of my room because I was so desperate to just have some sort of normalcy that I wanted to have my like evenings to myself where I could, I didn't have to creep into my bedroom in the pitch black, dark, in silence and like sidestep like a crab onto my bed around the Chico next to me. And, you know, it was just getting too much for me. So... I moved him into his own room, I think at like four or five months. And, um, but then I was getting up still as much as I was and physically having to get up and go through to his room and feed him. And then I was trying to do it with my eyes closed so that when I got back into my bed, I could just go back to sleep. But often I wouldn't. And I made the stupid mistakes of like sometimes sitting on my phone on while I was breastfeeding Mm. and then, you know, waking my mind up. 
Um, oh, I'm actually getting a bit of PTSD going through <laughs> going through all of this again. I can almost <laughs> taste. I can taste it. I can taste that sleep deprivation. I lived it for so mm. long. And, and what was really hard as well, also being a stay-at-home mom, obviously Gordon went back to work and then I had these sort of long days to fill on very, very mm. little sleep. And then also Connor was never a in-his-bed kind of napper until quite late. So he had to be on the move in order to nap. So in order to get him down, I would have to walk and and I couldn't even stop for like a coffee and sit down once he was asleep because as soon as I walked into like a coffee mm. shop where it was silent and there wasn't the crazy loud noise of traffic or roads or whatever, he would wake up. So I had to just yeah. keep going. So I was so tired mentally, so tired physically and there was no respite from it. So, oh, it was just, it was really tough times. And and I look back on it and I don't actually, I mean, the sleep itself was hideous. But thankfully, I, I still loved that first year with Connor. And I think that's yeah. like, I don't know if that's quite rare. I know a lot of my friends found that first year very difficult. But even through the sleep deprivation, I somehow managed to find uh, a lot of joy in that first year. But the hardest part of for for me was actually when Harry came along, and then there was even less less sleep with even more of a demanding kind of job day to day because I had Connor who was only going to forest school like a couple of mornings a week, so I basically had both of them all the time, and Connor had dropped his nap so when when Harry would finally go down for a sleep, I would then have to entertain. Connor and again there was just like no respite and then there was no respite at night from Harry and then Connor also missed me in the night sometimes and would just come through to my room so I would just be walking out of putting Harry down and I'd bump into Connor in the passage and he would want some extra cuddles so then I'd have to go and lie with him for a while and then by the time I was going back to my room Harry would wake up again and I'd go back into that room (laughs) (laughs) like feed feed him like it was just laughable I was just awake yeah. all the time. My nights were, I, I used to say to Gord's like, there's just too much going on for nighttime. Like, why is there no, why is no one resting? Why is no one sleeping? This is the time to sleep. And it just wasn't happening. We were just constantly awake. It was nuts. Yeah. Absolutely no, nuts. Yeah, very, a very similar experience. And I remember, especially when Tony was away, a lot of that first year with Abby, I remember dreading the nights because even though I was so tired during the day, the nights were so much worse oh because he wasn't there. Mm. It was just me and her. I knew she wasn't going to sleep well. <laughs> and, and I knew I wasn't going to get sleep. And so I, I hated it because I was just going up there. It was like a form of torture. God, that dread. And then, yeah. I forgot and then that. also I was like you and on my phone. You know, Mm. I would reply to messages like four in the morning, three in the morning. I would be Googling, I don't know, anything. And I, and that was one of the biggest changes for me. Um, When I, when I stopped having my phone in my room, Mm. that changed so much for me sleep wise. Because it was keeping me awake. So it was ensuring that I wasn't going to go back to sleep afterwards, after feeding, after whatever. It was making sure that I wasn't going because I was like putting all that light into my mm. eyes. Um, so that was it, that was one of the biggest changes. It's just so tricky but. though, because as a mom with a new baby and stuff and, and, and potentially other kids, 
you just have so little time for yourself during yeah. the day that at nighttime when you have this kind of like gap where it's all quiet and mm. you're just feeding all you're doing is feeding that's when you can quickly grab your phone and respond to that email or respond to that message about that play date or whatever you just land up kind of like using your time to get through stuff but then you like waking your brain up and you start thinking about things that you need to do or I do anyway I start going through my to-do mm. list and then by the time I know it, like an hour's passed Harry's already passed out and I'm still wired thinking about the plans the next morning or whatever I, I have a friend also lives in the UK and she would say that she would be at home during the day and then an Amazon package would arrive and she was like, huh, she could see she had ordered it, but she had no memory of ordering it because she was just, <laughs> you know, breastfeeding at night. And she was like, I don't even remember ordering Sleep it. ordering. I, I wanted one of those. Yeah. <laughs> just, just doing it middle of the night, yeah. you know, and then you get... That's so true. Yeah, You're on such autopilot mode. But I just want to go back mm. to that dread that you mentioned, like, mm. especially after having a full day of, of parenting and, you know, it's yeah. stressful and tiring and, and you're, you're thinking about bed the whole time, but then you get to the evening and you're like, finally, everyone's down, even if it's just for two hours, or whatever, and then Harry would start up again at nine. But I'd get this tiny little window of just me time. Not that it was quality me time because I'd be using it to do the dishes or yeah. cook supper or do laundry or whatever, but I was on my own. And then, yeah. and then, yeah, I just, I almost didn't want to go upstairs. I'd rather stay downstairs doing chores because <laughs> I didn't want to go upstairs and face what was inevitably coming my way. And yeah, all the while I'm getting loads of advice from family and friends to say, well, do this mm. and do the sleep training. And you haven't tried this, obviously, and try that. And I'm like, I've tried it all. I've tr I'm trying it all. Like I did the sleep training with Connor. It's shit. I agree. But it did help a little bit. But then they get, he got sick like a week later. Everything goes out the window. I'm not going to deny him when he's sick. Like... So, of course, I'm going to pick him up and not worry about yeah. all this hardcore sleep training rules. And then with Harry, he was just an anomaly. He just would just carry on crying forever until he died, I think. So I wasn't willing to risk that. <laughs> so <laughs> now I, I tried I tried sleep training with Abby, too, because I was just at my wits end. Um, it didn't it didn't work. No. I did the gentle. <laughs> it, didn't, it, didn't, it did nothing. It did nothing. I, I tried all the all the different, yeah, ones, all the different methods. Did nothing because she would just get more and more awake. Mm. Um, it did, it did now, absolutely nothing. Now that I just know. Just made it worse yeah, for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just added energy lost, right? I just, yeah. I just now that I know I Harry's terrible. character, now I know Harry's character, I'm like, no wonder. No wonder. This was, he was his own person already from like day one and he was shouting about it and nothing has changed. Like, so now I just, I just, bend to his every will and like last night I was just like I'm not gonna he woke up three times in the night I said to Gordon, he's obviously something's going on with him he's got a sore tummy let's just put him in the bed put him in the bed with me snuggled in and he went straight to sleep and he was so happy I mean yeah it was my own fault that I was wired for some reason after the peanut butter cracker yeah. talk with him but <laughs> yeah you kind of learn what works with your kids and what doesn't yeah. work you know I, I've had a very different experience from you with number two because Maddie has been a lot easier, but a lot of that has been down to me. I, I think a lot of Abby's sleep problems were maybe me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not maybe, 
Definitely me and and our situation. So no, I still blame we were Connor. traveling a lot. We were in we were in a lot of different time zones, mm. a, a lot of that. But also, I was always trying to do what I thought everyone else was doing, or what I thought I was expected to do, or things like that. What what you should do with babies, you know? You start you read a book, you read a blog, you read a whatever, and it's like, oh, do this, and then I'm like, oh, I try this, and then I try that, and then I try this, and nothing's working. Why won't everything <laughs> yeah. anything work? What's wrong with her? What's wrong with me? Oh All of this. When Maddie came along, I was just like, I wouldn't listen to anyone. I was like, I got this. You're sleeping in my bed. <laughs> We're not going to do this crib thing. <laughs> We're not going to, because <laughs> it never worked with Abby. It only made it harder. So yeah. I was like, you can sleep in the bed if you want. And it's been a lot easier. She slept through the night a lot more than Abby, even, even now. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real zap, not an emoji zap. For those listening, I just uh, flipped, flipped Vicky the bird. You said it there with now that you know Harry's personality. But it was, that's, Maddie, I wasn't going to try and force her to be the same as this one or that one or whatever I'd seen. I was just like, no, you can just sleep in my bed and it's going to be fine. And, but Abby was still waking us up and um, everything like that, you know, and sometimes I would send Tony in and he would go in and she'd be like, no, mama. And then everyone's away. Yeah. Now it's a bit more even. They'll take either one of us. It's okay. But before I used to get, so that part of that dread with Abby and like going to sleep at night, I would get, at first I would get excited when Tony was coming home because I was like, yes, he can take over. Then he'd come home, but he'd been gone for, Mm. I don't know, a few weeks. And then Abby would be like, no, (laughs) this guy's not putting me to bed. What do you mean? (laughs) And then I was like, no. Oh, God. <laughs> You're here, but you Not can't really. even help me. What's Cook the point clean. of having you here? <laughs> Just put him to work in the kitchen, in the scullery. Oh, scullery maid. Man. Um, yeah, I also, it's, yeah. it is such a different thing second time around for sure. And it just goes to show how much pressure we are under and how little we know as first-time parents. Like, I feel like there should be a course or something that everyone has to do before they reproduce because, like... It just I just had no idea what what I was doing. And you also learn how much of the stuff that is taught to us or or drilled into our heads by the midwives and everything is actually just such bullshit. And you've got to go oh, with yeah. with your your maternal instinct and your guts. Like I was desperate in the hospital with Harry when I'd first had him, we weren't allowed to leave because he had jaundice and all of the stuff and I had to stay in the hospital and he would not sleep in the cot. But they wouldn't allow him to sleep in the bed with me, to co-sleep with me. And I actually got to a point of such severe sleep deprivation because whenever I put him down, he would cry. And I'd try and get him to sleep on me and they'd come into the room and they'd take him off me and they'd put him back in the cot and he'd cry. And so I just couldn't get any sleep. Eventually I said to one of the nurses, I was like, if you don't take him for an hour and hold him so he can sleep on you... I I need to I'm, I'm going to discharge myself and I'm going to discharge him even with this jaundice. I'm going to just I'm going to put him at risk and I'm going to leave because I need to sleep. And they were like, okay, it's not it's not in our protocol, but I, or whatever. But I'll hold him for an hour. I got like one hour's help where she held him, and I fell asleep. And it felt like as I closed my eyes, she was waking me up and she was like, here he is, and he was just like. 
crying again. She couldn't again. let you sleep a little longer. No, <laughs> no, it was bang on an wow. hour. But like they were just so anti-co-sleeping. Obviously something has happened in the past or whatever and now they just do not allow co-sleeping in the hospital. And these newborns have literally just come out of your body. All they want is to be on you. They All they need is to be on you and to have that comfort. And I couldn't, I wasn't allowed it. And so I was just desperate to get home to have him in my bed with me. And it was so different to the first time around with Connor where I was so scared to have him in the bed because they had mm. said to me like, that yeah. if you co-sleep with him, the chances are very high that he will die. Like SIDS is upon you and it's it's very dangerous, not worth it. Like it was just such a terrifying thing. I remember not sleeping until my mom arrived in London because I didn't even trust Gordon to look after Connor. In like oh, I was, was that paranoid. So the mm. first time I got a decent night's sleep was when my mom arrived in London and I knew that she could keep him alive while I slept. Because like yeah. I had to be watching him the whole time in this bed because I was so scared that he was I, it's just crazy. You know what's you know what's really crazy? It's a very Western thing yes, it for is. us to have these uh, the babies in separate beds. Of course. You know, going back hundreds of years, but even now in if you go to any anywhere in Africa except And in Eastern you know, Eastern cultures. South Africa, Eastern cultures, all of this you you won't find babies in their own beds, let alone in their own rooms. Yeah. But they need to be around you and whole families um, will sleep together. I remember being in Thailand and they'll have, you know, the the family's bed, you know, I mean, it's on the floor, but the whole family sleeps there together mm-hmm. because you need each other and this comfort from each other and that. So that's why I was like a lot of Abby's sleep issues I guess is because we were always in new places she had no like real constant Mm. you know except for me that's why she would sleep on top of me but it was always new places new houses new beds new you know new everything new surroundings and and then you're like okay and now go and sleep in the cot on your own yeah it could (laughs) be so convenient for me it's crazy yeah it is crazy. Yeah. I think it is but one it is of those just things. A convenience that, thing. Yeah, it's just one of those things that comes with like it suits the working world to have yeah. have mothers separate from their kids earlier and have them in their own room so that they can just go to sleep, go do their own thing and then moms can go back to work sooner. I mean, you think about how early in South Africa and the States people have to go back to work yeah. at like 3 months, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the states even earlier some some places. Yeah, depends on. Yeah, we're very lucky over here. Yeah. Very fortunate, but um, very fortunate. Yeah, it just wouldn't suit the, the that sort of like working world hey, to have babies sleeping in beds and disrupting uh, people's sleep. Therefore, like their efficiency mm. in the workplace and everything. I swear to God, it's all linked. <laughs> some conspiracy, and, and it is. And then also though that people think that that creates independent kids if they can mm. be but they've seen in studies that it's actually the opposite mm. that kids who don't have a lot of contact a lot I'm not saying co-sleeping but you know a lot of that warmth and things from their parents in the early age if they don't have that they become more needy as adults and more uh, codependent um, whereas if all of their needs are met when they are young that leads to independent kids and adults. Well, going back to like um, prehistoric times, like you're not going to have 
sleeping in a cave. You're not going to put your baby on the other side of the cave and you go sleep on the other side of the cave yeah. where the grown-ups are hanging out and chatting. Everyone would have gone to yeah. sleep together and you would have had your baby nestled into you as a protective measure and to keep each other warm. And it's like this evolutionary thing that the baby wants to yeah. be with you for safety and protection and warmth and food and everything. So it makes so much sense to do. Well, yeah, I'm not, not to say that everyone should co-sleep because I didn't co-sleep all the way. I'm like a on and off co-sleeper. Sometimes I'm yeah. all about the co-sleeping and sometimes I'm like, I just need, I actually need my space for yeah. my own mental health. If I'm going to be with them all day, I need to have some time on my own at night. So I'm not saying it's the be all and end all, but you can understand why babies are the way they are. And why they are constantly kind of pushing for more connection. Yeah. So with all of that said, let's end this episode with a few tips. Things that you've learned, things that I've learned that actually make a difference to both your sleep and your kid's sleep. Because you can see online all of these, you know, everyone's talking about sleep hygiene and all of that. And that's that's great, you know, the not watching TV before bed, all of those things. But I think that's not enough. It's great to do all of these very basic things, have a dark room or an eye mask, all of those things. But I think when you are a parent, you need to go above and beyond for both yourself and your kids sleep. Mm. Because there's a lot of things that we just think are normal. Like my number one thing is to limit sugar in the evenings. You can do a little test if you don't believe me. <laughs> I don't need to. Um, there have been enough tests in the in recent yeah. past. <laughs> but it makes the biggest biggest difference, not just for your kids though, but for for yourself also. Let's say from about even from about four five p.m. Unless there's something going on, there's mm. Christmas, mm. there's you know something like that. But we we don't just say okay, it's weekend. You can go. No, we we've got to cut it off. Otherwise, the sleep is interrupted for everyone and the next day is affected so mm -hmm. that's that's a big one for us another big one for me I I said there before was the the phones not having your phone in your room because the chances are like if your phone is in your room and you're awake at night you're going to just reach for it just to do something to try and fall asleep mm. but that's going to be the worst thing you can do because it's just going to keep you awake mm. longer and it's going to make sure it's got a whole thing to do with cortisol and melatonin and your hormones and that but I'm um, not getting too deep into it that's one of the biggest changes that I made that helped and that we we spoke about also was to find that sweet spot between like tired and overtired like you want your kids to be tired but when they are too tired you're just are you going to be just in there for hours trouble for yourself? Yeah. But even <laughs> and it, for and yourself that also well. affects their sleep going forward. <laughs> even when they do fall asleep, eventually collapse out of exhaustion, mm. it's still, they get, have interrupted sleep. And there's also a lot to do with your hormones that, that we're not going to get into now. It's basically when you've gone to the point of over-exhaustion, when you're overtired, you or your child, it's like a signal to your body that there's danger, you know, otherwise why would you still be awake? Mm. So your body's going to try and keep you awake all throughout the night and you're going to wake up earlier. So those are, I think, my three biggest ones. What is, What do you have there um, to add? Yeah, I think we said it, I think, last week, but sticking to a routine is important and not just for mm. your kids, but for you as well. So I've, I've kind of like set myself a sort of limit that latest I have to be in bed by is like 930 
in order for me to get that earlier chunk of sleep. So an important thing that yeah. I learned through, I think it was your, right. one of your podcasts was about sleep was if you get early hours in, so from like 9, mm. 10, 11, 12, the hours before 12 o'clock, if you get those in as sleep, they are worth so much more in terms of sleep quality than say the hours after midnight. So They're worth twice <coughs> as much as an hour after midnight. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, I wish I had known that when the boys were babies because, I mean, I was always, I was often trying to get to bed early just because I was shattered during the day and I knew that I could do with the extra hours, but I didn't know that those hours that I could be getting from if I got into bed at even say eight or whatever, when, you know, you mm. get the boys down and most of the time you're so tired anyway, but you force yourself to come downstairs and do whatever chores you need to do. But if you just get into bed and get those hours, you're really clocking in in some good quality sleep before they start doing all of their wake-ups. Okay, so, yeah, going to bed earlier for sure helps because then you've got the three-hour buffer and as long as you've got that, you know you can kind of get through the rest of the night. So that's yeah. good. And then... The other one is similar to yours where you said no sugar, but mine is we also don't eat sugar in the evenings, but then also to try and get everyone fed and had like a little glass of milk or whatever way before bedtime so that all of that food can mm. kind of settle before before getting into bed. And then so your body's not working on digesting everything, you know, quite late later yeah. on. You, you said the the evening routine. Yeah, routine. Also, or either keeping routine. Yeah, and keeping having, routine and structure. Having some sort of e evening routine for kids also. Yes, know, so I rely heavily on routine. And, like we, yeah. we at six o'clock, we go up and bath and they play around and everything. Boys, I don't know what it is, but after bath time, it's like they've taken like three uh, shots of, I don't even know what, no, like yeah. E. They are completely crazy. So I factor that in. I, <laughs> I factor in three shots of Red Bull. I factor yeah. in. I factor in like that half an hour of this time after bath time is just going to be pure and utter chaos. It's going to be like stepping into the ring of WWF. They slam dunking each other. They are jumping on the beds. They're whacking each other with pillows. They are rolling themselves up in blankets and then whipping the other one out. It's it's crazy. And they're chasing each other with towels. But I let it all happen because it's like, I mean, sometimes I don't and I like just can't, do not have time for it. But it releases a lot of their, their last bit of pent up energy that they have. Yeah. So I kind of let that happen for a bit. And then we calm down. We do our reading. We re Every night we read books regardless. That's one thing I've also learned is, you know, how some of us, most of us, use a bit of bribery in parenting like you know so you say if you're sort of losing control of a situation you say right if you guys don't stop doing this we're not going to have time for xyz or i'm not going to allow x y and z later one thing that i'm trying not to do now is say right if you guys don't calm down after the wwf wrestling we're not going to do books because the two times i've taken away those books and the reading time i have suffered so drastically mm. from the change in routine and them not having that wind down time, that yeah. it's just not a it's not a good one. So never threaten to get rid of reading times and book time at the end of the day because you're just literally screwing yourself over. But yeah, right. so after books and everything, they know to get into bed. But then it's still a bit of a drawn out process. I have to hold Harry's hand half the time to get him to sleep. I have to sing him Frere Jacques three times over. 
And then there's like a whole bunch of things I have to do with them. I, I have to sit there holding ours in the same room. I've got to hold, we've got to hold hands on either side. And um, yeah, it's got to be two yeah. books, hold hands. And we have this music playing constantly throughout the night. It's their sleep cue music. And it's got a bit of white noise mm. and played it since Abby was a baby. It's now the theme tune to our lives. To your life. And <laughs> Oh, it's just yeah it's awful also it's at Brahms lullaby which was like uh, fine if you listen to it once but not every <laughs> yeah, night on repeat, repeat. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it works so we're too scared I'd say to take oh, it God, away because yeah, it gets them you you go into the like dark room two books that music playing and they all of a sudden just like uh, most yeah, of the time it. most of the time so just yeah, sticking to the routine, not eating too late, and trying to get to bed as an as the grown up, trying to get to bed as early as you can, especially when you're in the trenches, just so you get those hours before midnight. I think is a help. Yeah. The last thing that I had written down here that I wanted to touch on a little bit is that when you're in those moments and you know your kids aren't sleeping, you're not sleeping, and it's driving you a little crazy, just remember that the more stressed out you are, the more stressed out your kids will become. Like, it doesn't help the situation, even though I know it's like very, it's very difficult. I know it's very difficult to try and hold yourself back, but your mm. kids feel your stress and it makes them stress. And that just also affects everyone's sleep. So I would say that one of the best things you can do for yourself, which will help everyone is to get a hold on your stress, whether that means finding a stress management routine that works for you, looking into meditation, doing like, do what you got to do, because that makes, um, that also makes a big difference. I noticed, you know, I always keep, keep coming back to cycle syncing, but like since, since I did that and it lowered, it lowered my stress the week before my period, it lowered my PMAs and my stress which changed the way I interacted with my kids. And I can see such a big difference, such a big difference. That yeah. week before, I was so snappy with them, so like harsh with mm. them. I'm and, actually there right um, now. And, and now it's different for me. I'm still not, I'm not an angel. Um, <laughs> and I don't get it right all the time. But I can, I can see a big difference with myself when, when I am not stressed out. The way I in, interact with my kids is that makes just, such a difference here. Worlds apart. It's yeah. so hard though, as you say, because when it you're is. tired, it's so hard to react normally. When I've had a good night's sleep, I can kind of like keep myself together. When I haven't slept, it's so yeah. much harder for me to dig deep and keep calm. So that's yeah, I think stress management think is something I need to to work on at I the moment. I think that remembering what a big difference it makes because you know when you are stressed out and you shout at your kids, it like it never makes it better. No, it just makes your kids react way worse than they were. Whereas if you really do like just chill out and calm, and I think that has helped me, knowing what a difference it'll make. So I have to dig real deep mm. when I'm sleep deprived or when I'm feeling irritated, because I know that it's gonna benefit me <laughs> i get selfish I about it but it is it's going to benefit me if i respond to my kids instead of react you know okay, there's like good. a big difference there if i 
don't just shout at them, do it my way. This is the way it is. Listen, because, you know, because I'm bigger than you. Yeah. Because anytime I do that, I just get, I mean, they just turn into little, worse little gremlins. And so, um, yeah, I find it, I find knowing the difference, it helps me. I, I mean, still, yeah. It's still Don't hard, but I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm time. gonna, I'm gonna keep that in mind to try and just remind myself to respond instead of react. It's, it's all practicing as well, mindfully practicing how you yeah. respond in these stress situations. It's all good and well, like talking about the theory of it, but it takes a while to get into the real practice of it all. Yeah, and it's definitely something you have to go through on your own. You can't really learn from someone else's experience no. because. Like we said a thousand times, no one's kids are like your kids, and no. um, yeah. Oh, another no thing uh, that I wanted—I was thinking about earlier. Is a, a friend's dad mentioned it to me the one time we—I I can't remember—we were at like a pub or something, and he was like, "Oh, Jonesy, how's how's parenthood going?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know it's it's okay. I don't get any sleep, but I'm reading this book, and I think this is going to be the game changer for us." And and he was like, "Oh, you know, the baby hasn't read that book. You've read the book. The baby hasn't read that book." So just just remember that when you're trying out all of your new little tips and techniques, that babies have always been the same through all these hundreds of years, and they've never read these books. So just bear that in mind. And I was like, such a good point. Uh, we'll leave you on that cheery yeah. note. <laughs> no matter what book you read or what you try to do, yeah. you're still screwed. Good luck. Come back, come back next week for more inspiration. <laughs> I think we should wrap this episode up yeah, now. They've heard enough from us. And just to end it up here, yeah, basically what we've said is that everyone has a pretty tough time. Most people have a pretty tough time, even if it doesn't seem like that. Mm. And that it's great to try all of these different things. But I think the best thing you can do is try and listen to your instincts and also what your baby needs, mm. not what you've read all babies needs or what, what your friends have said their babies yeah. need. Mm. Just try and tune in just with your baby or your kids and your situation and um, stop always looking for outside not just advice, but I guess kind just, of just yeah. uh, validation. And also validation. There we go. <laughs> don't know where that came from in this like moldy <laughs> brain of mine today. Um, but also to re- re- just remind yourself that it is a phase. Everything in parenting is a phase. It, nothing is ever the same. So whether you're going through a really good phase or a bad phase, it's temporary. It's not going to be there forever. Yeah. It'll pass. It will pass. I could go for a nap now, I think. Let's let's wrap this up. <laughs> let's wrap this up. Okay. Okay. The, the end. end. <laughs> <laughs> so lame. It's not even a cool ending no, phrase so or shit. catchphrase. So shit. We need to work on that. <laughs> we hope that you got a lot of value out of today's episode. And if you found this episode helpful in some way, chances are your friends will too. So go ahead and share it. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week with more. No, but this is good because our podcast is just going to be a lot of a lot of ramblings and a lot of laughter and a lot of informa- helpful information in between. 
a lot of helpful information in between. Yeah. yeah. Most of it's going to be ramblings. 